0: It is a time of rebellion. It is a time of revolution. It is a time that has been since he was six years old. satisfied They're everywhere They're watching me now Soon enough these days will end There will be no rules going forward Pilgrim, a case for rebellion. That's what a reckoning sounds like. A Fandom Awakens Radio spinoff podcast.
1: All right, guys, welcome to the latest Penultimate final installment episode, at least for this year. Uh, we'll talk more in 2024 for Fandom Awakens Radio's spin off podcast, Fulcrum A Case for Rebellion. I am your prime fulcrum. Yeah, prime fulcrum. Sorry, I'm just still coming off of hype for Transformers Rise of the Beast. Ah! So I am your prime fulcrum, and here with me, your friend of mine, all the way out in space, Florida, or maybe it's actual Florida. Damn it, Endor, I'm confused. Kyle Wagner, Kyle, how's it going, buddy?
2: One shall stand,
1: one shall fall. Ah <laughs> uh, I I swear, I oh man, I let me apologize in advance, internet, for how how. Freak out, my primal instinct will be come June. I apologize right now.
2: Just remember, David, maximize carefully.
1: Yes, 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 yes. It, it takes a lot to piss me off to Rhinox level.
0: <laughs> okay, uh,
2: let's get on some Star Wars because we have something absolutely amazing to talk about in right, the all right, all
1: right, final all
2: right. two episodes of Andor. All right, all right,
1: all right. I just, I, uh, I'm just like,
0: ah.
2: Yeah, no, I was impressed too. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that on another show.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that probably off mic or, or yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, Andor. Um. Before we dive into the last two, what have, what is? Let's recap some overall thoughts. Of just the series in general so far, um, Kyle. We've pretty much covered all of it from our first episode to now. But just to you know, wrap up your final thoughts in a nutshell. Uh, what what have you made of just Andor season one in general?
2: Andor season one is one of those shows that when you look at certain franchises that have been around for a while
1: mm-hmm.
2: they always have either a season or a spin-off or a movie that you look at it and you go this changed it and sometimes it's for the good sometimes it's for the bad sometimes you're not real sure uh, but you look at it as a moment in time of that franchise Right. You know, you, you, uh, a good example of this would be Doctor Who depending on which who your favorite Doctor is and how you felt about the Doctor prior or the Doctor After. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Andor has changed the script of Star Wars. Star Wars Andor hat to me has shown that there is a whole other way to do and write and perform in Star Wars and in Lucasfilm. And it it I, I truly believe this. It took somebody who was a bit of an outsider. And I think that is so important in this second, in this circumstance. Who is an outsider who respected the product, but said, "No, I'm this product. I'm doing this the way I do." it and Oh, I, it,
1: I agree. Yeah,
2: it worked, and I think that has been a problem. I'll, I'll I'll say it. Since the original trilogy, is that Star Wars has been stuck in a formula. And Star Wars yeah. has been has been stuck in spinning its wheels, and I think yeah, that was no, the case. I
1: agree. And yeah. and those those wheels have the first name George and are branded Lucas.
2: Well, uh, not just that though, because I really think too that Disney spun its wheels, those same wheels, and was so concerned about spinning those wheels. When they first got the Star Wars licensing.
1: No, no, no. I'm going all the way back to where it's oh, no. been because it's been. No, I, look, I, I. It's been stuck ever since you know George, ever since power went to George's head.
2: Right. You know right. the phrase right,
1: "absolute power corrupts absolutely." Yeah. No. Well, the same thing applies to uh, filmmakers.
2: Well, you're right. No, and I agree with that. And my, my, my point. Let me. Okay, so let me rewind my point here.
1: Okay. We saw
2: we saw it when George decided to do the special editions instead of doing
1: the next trilogy. Instead of doing sequels himself. Instead of sequels
2: themselves. Then we saw it even yeah. more when the prequels came out, because nobody would tell George no.
1: Right. And then I Disney n- comes. Out. I really wish they could have because what this, as you say, outsider coming in with Tony Gilroy. Shows is had had someone just had the cojones to stand up to George and,
2: and we, we, tell him seen, no, we,
1: rein him in a little bit. When
2: the we prequels, saw that in the original trilogy with Empire.
1: No, I agree, but the prequels so, could have been a a vastly better movie, vastly oh, yeah. better it, series it, of movies though.
2: It 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 took the Clone Wars, which yes brought some stuff from outside of the box, and at that point we were so. Enamored with just seeing anything that was outside of Skywalker for the yeah. most part. Yes, even though we had Anakin there, we got to see a lot more of the world, and I think people were so enthralled with that though when we look back on it, and I don't want people taking this the wrong way because I don't mean it in a negative way. I just think neither do I. Neither do. I. I don't, but what I'm going to say here, David, is this: you had the son trying to impress dad. In this case, Dave Filoni trying to impress George. Basically, yeah. And I don't think it was until later in Clone Wars that you saw Dave kind of starting to do a little bit of his own thing and you saw it more with Rebels and then obviously then the changeover to Disney. And the problem was I think Disney with the sequel trilogy was so concerned about at first spinning those George wheels but still creating their own thing. And right. they just got they got so lost trying to do both.
1: Yeah. Can and, I can I add something to that though? Uh-huh. You really saw the the trying to impress dad, impress George, the proxy son impressing his dad kind of deal. You really saw that more with Rebels. You uh-huh. saw maybe a little bit in Clone Wars, but Clone Wars still felt like Felony was caught in kind of a small wing of George's box.
2: Right, but I think I think there was stuff in Clone Wars and Rebels that was a lot more Dave than it was George, towards the
1: end of it. It was definitely, because it was all Dave.
2: Yeah.
1: So you know, ver- Versus, say, Bad Batch, where it's like, I don't care how much guys you call it Clone Wars Season you know, 8 or 9, it isn't, it, it spent way too much time in Season 1 chasing its own coattails to try to be Filoni. It isn't. These are these are new folks.
2: Yeah. Okay. Let me let me let me let me get back to where I was. All right. Was all going right. All David right. So you I could...
1: just had to point out since we were talking to Dave. So
2: with, with, the, with well, but we'll, we'll get back to Dave here in a minute. So we ha- in the sequel trilogy, I think we have the spinning of George's old wheels with trying to establish their new ones, but they couldn't figure out how to do both. And I think I agree. Yeah. I I think. It led to a disaster that was just rudderless and didn't and didn't give us the product we deserved as fans.
1: Well, a disaster, please. It's not like it was DC.
2: Well, no. Well, for force what we were expecting, let me put it that way. For what I think we were expecting.
1: Yeah, for what you were expecting, I pretty much knew what was going on. Well,
2: I know, but there's, there's, what I'm, what I'm saying is we we had higher hope. I, I think Ooh. I think that's
1: fair to say for everybody. Sure, most of you did, sure.
2: Then we get to Mandalorian, which is, yes, you're still spinning some of that George. You're going back and actually spinning a little bit more of that George wheel, but you're doing it in a way that I feel like you're adding new as you're spinning that wheel and weaving it in compared to just trying to break the wheel.
1: Yes and no. And I, I know I, I know and I know your feelings on that there are promising moments with the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, you know, unless you're really taking a big left turn with uh with Grogu with that kid, yeah, you're not changing my tune on Mendo.
2: Well, I'm I'm am i I'm I this is again, I'm giving my my opinion here.
1: No, I understand that, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. right? unless you really take a sharp left turn with Season 3 with where you're going with that kid, you're not changing my opinion on Mando.
2: Right. And that's a conversation when we talk
1: Mandalorian Season 3. Yeah, we'll get to that in uh, March or so.
2: So, the other thing that's happening at the same time, though, is you have two films come out that are different. You have Rogue One and you have Solo. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Who are doing their own thing,
1: right? Yeah, and one that was handled brilliantly, and one that was basically sabotaged by the same CEO that Disney had to bring back. Because the last one was an idiot. Oh, and
2: it's sabotaged by a lot of things. Let's...
1: Well, oh, well, okay, but you know what? I'm I don't I do not subscribe and will never subscribe to. You know, your your quote unquote backlash of a movie hurting another movie. That's just no, that's no. just that's just stupid I, echo chamber talk and I no, would not I, deal with that.
2: I I'm not talking about that aspect. I'm talking about how at the time Lucasfilm was having a hard time sorting out creators.
1: Oh, that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's be honest, I feel like there's a bit of um Larry cast in resentment, especially when you bring in such weirdos like Lord and Miller.
2: Well, but anyway, neither here nor there. I think yeah, we can neither here
1: nor there at this point. I
2: think we can safely say at this point, Solo has kind of um got some retribution and people mm-hmm. are more accepting of it now. Yeah. I think that started the process. And I think we finally have gotten there with Andor, with Tony Gilroy, again, a creator who has enough clout to stand up to anybody at Lucasfilm, anybody at Disney, and say... He, d-
1: he does, yeah. He does.
2: And, and he did, and he was the right man for the right project. And mm-hmm. what we are seeing with Andor is, is that when you have somebody who comes in with a plan, with a vision, and is given the ability to execute that, you get phenomenal work.
1: Well, a, think- a vision, anyway. I I think... You know, plan is such a very loose term, anyway.
2: Well, but but when I say plan, and I I think it, the the plan is is that there was going to be no volume. He's he's doing practical. He's he's telling the story he wants to tell. Yeah.
1: Pl- See, now I'm glad you brought that up because that part I love about you know, Andor, and from all accounts I love about the photos I've been seeing with Star Wars Acolyte. They are both going non-volume. It's like, okay, you know what, Favreau, you're doing whatever, fine. We'll discuss it in March and see if I feel differently about season three. But, I'm sorry. Star Wars is more real when you actually go there and you're not in, what is it, um, Daytona Beach or wherever they are, filming basically in the equivalent of a Star Cruiser box. Well, the the other thing the
2: other aspect is this too. You're also working and this is something I think all Star Wars fans have been screaming bloody murder for, I'll be honest with you. Mhm. You are yes, the storyline itself is still within what you what, the Skywalker saga, but it is so much its own storyline.
1: Well, it's, its own, more adjacent to it, yeah. Well
2: adjacent, but it's within that time frame.
1: But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's so much its
2: own thing, and then the ultimate aspect of it is Tony Gilroy did not dumb this down. He did not write it for. He wrote it for how he wanted it to come across, not how oh how I want people to take it. I'm I'm writing it. People can either accept it or not. Right. Yeah. And it was it was it didn't dumb it down itself or anybody. It it stuck to its guns, and it became something phenomenal because it was something I think that most people have not wanted to see or wanted to admit to the majority base of star Wars fans have grown up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A hard fact to admit, but yes,
2: there there are still kids out there who are star Wars fans. Don't get me wrong.
1: Right. No, But, but they're coming in via more, you know, um, uh, things like Rebels or via more things like Forces of Destiny, or via more Bad Batch, which is still in your, you know, your Clone Wars esque animation milieu.
2: And I, th- I, th- I think the other thing, and the aspect is, is this proves something. This disproves a George theory mm-hmm.
1: that you have it to write is.
2: Star Wars that you have to write Star Wars for nine years.
1: Yeah, it definitely disproves that. And I'm glad you brought that up because it it segues nicely into what I've been saying since our first episode, right? Star Wars Andor has basically shown that... uh, I'm sorry, by doing a show in this time frame... And look, I I like the original trilogy. I, I... I more like the last two films. I don't necessarily like a lot of aspects of four. I know shocked. All right. But guys, calm down. But I don't necessarily like some aspects of four. I like five and six. uh, Even though six was kind of ghost directed by George. (laughs) But. You know, Andor really shows that the original trilogy could have been so much more impactful, you know, and and teaching a generation really hard lessons that they unfortunately had to learn along the way as they grew up, because the movie didn't teach them, but, you know, the original film could have been that much more impactful if you had the the themes that Andor was dealing with like right in your face. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. You see what I mean? It was kind of that reverse engineering stuff what yeah. we were doing last week. Yeah. But... I, I which, think, again, which, again, I will be the first to admit is not a healthy exercise for most in fandom. You and I have talked about that. But I do it as talking points. Some people do it as a, well, let's fix this and start a petition. And blah, 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 blah. No, that's just dumb. And that needs to stop.
2: Well, I, I think I think the other thing here is that... Um... As we move forward, it will be interesting to see, now that Bob Iger is back, we have Andor, and we have a, we have people speaking out about how much they love Andor and love this direction of Star Wars. It will be interesting to see if they continue to kind of go down two, two paths. Kind of the Mandalorian, and work with me here, David the Mandalorian path of the Star Wars that still is written a little bit for nine-year-olds. Right. But we start seeing more shows that have this heaviness that Andor has, that have this adult feel that Andor has, because you yeah. can do both, and you can do both well and
1: successfully. You know what I think is going to change that in the Mandoverse? I I hate that we're calling it that. I, I hate that. Um, but... You know what I feel is going to change that in this kind of Mando corner right now? What's that? Ahsoka, which I'm very, very jazzed for, uh, and Skeleton Crew, which I'm not so excited for.
2: I uh, Apparently, from what I've read, Skeleton Crew is going to definitely have an effect on Mandalorian Season 4.
1: Yeah, I did read something about that, yeah.
2: I'm I'm with you. I need to know more about Skeleton crew. I'm very curious about Acolyte. I'm really hoping Acolyte's going to kind of plumb more into that Andor
1: feel to it. Well, based on the photos, I'm like... Because I saw that Wookiee photo and I'm like, gee, considering it's in the final days of the High Republic, I wonder who that could be. Yeah. So, I, I think Andor, like
2: I said, going into these final two episodes and even after these final two episodes, Andor has opened up a whole new direction for Star Wars. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and no, I, I agree, totally.
2: I am imploring all of the minds at Lucasfilm, do not be afraid to jump through that door and continue down this path of Star Wars shows. It doesn't mean every Star Wars show has to be like Andor, but no. don't be afraid to have shows like this show.
1: Right. I mean, every every show doesn't have to be like and or although i i do like the idea that the ahsoka show sounds a lot like um like it's going to be in the form of the old ronin type shows
2: yeah yeah no i i like that you i i know you're not going to like this david but it's the it's the easiest comparison
1: in my mind at this point. go yeah, go ahead dc already ripped the band-aid off my heart so go ahead
2: Star Wars, take a page from what Marvel did in Phase 4. Continue to try new things. Not everything has to be for everybody. See I,
1: see, I agree with that. I I absolutely agree with that. I you know? enjoyed Phase 4 because it was so different. Honestly, with how wash... I'm glad you brought up the Marvel comparison as much as we try to steer away from that. Because I'll just say this. As much as I've enjoyed Marvel movies to a point, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, a lot of the wash rinse repeat, throw in shiny objects with a fancy golden oven mitt. Uh, as much as that was is fun and gets fans all sort of ah, you know, I'm just like. You know, a lot of that was beginning to turn me off after the first three phases. To the yeah, point no. where I to the point where I almost gave up on Marvel. To be honest with you,
2: well, you know, I think a lot of people were feeling that way. I think there, it, Marvel burnout is a real thing, and I think there's, I think Star Wars has run the risk of that. And it's, and no, it's no, no,
1: no, it's not Marvel burnout. It's personal burnout.
2: Well, but I think, there's
1: a slight difference in the wording. Oh
2: well, yeah, but you have, you know, with your job and everything, I understand that. But I do think there is also some Marvel
1: burnout there too, that's
2: pushing people into that kind of burnout.
1: Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, but burnout becomes such a personalized concept that to just label it with one IP is ridiculous. Oh
2: well, no, I get it. I think if, I, I'm also going to be the, one of these people who say I think there's we're coming to the prefaces prefaces of a fandom burnout in general, because we have so much content.
1: In general, yes. And I think that's largely due to the three years that the board of Disney was so blindly stupid to let JPEG, like, overload everything.
2: Well, but I, th- I think I think it's more than just a Disney thing. I think it's just, in general, we've had no, so much... No, far... no,
1: no, no, but keeping it on what we talk about, yeah. since it's all Disney-owned anyway,
2: well, Disney's I...
1: been the biggest you know, perpetrator. One of the of biggest yes.
2: Absolutely.
1: Not just uh, not, the last 3 years, but the last what are they on like 100 years of Disney?
2: Well, yeah, but all I'm saying is there's other there's other sources that's coming from too. We can't put it all on Disney.
1: But I understand no, what I you know, know I know I, your- I just try to, you know, peg it to the one thing that all of our all of our podcasts, at least the Marvel and Star Wars ends are um are focused on.
2: But I, I think I think too. I think again, lessons are being learned, and I think we can avoid this preface of fandom burnout if we start yeah. adapting some. And I think th- I think you're seeing it a little bit with Marvel. I think Andor a start for Star Wars. I think that you're going to see something. Something's going to change at
1: DC, and that's a whole other podcast and a whole. That's a whole thing. other story. Uh, we have. Uh... a... <laughs> We have a whole other uh, show on the same channel, Injustice Podcasters Among Us. Yeah, we'll have a nice discussion in about another week with what's so, going on with them.
2: So, But I think overall, Andor is just a very interesting aspect of seeing how you can do something different, especially within the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and And do something that you don't have to appeal to everybody and you might be surprised it will probably appeal to a lot more people than you realize. I still know a lot of people who are just now discovering Andor and because they're binge watching it after the series is over and are going oh, I wish I was watching. I've been watching this from the start.
1: Oh, I saw our boy Mac comment about the I episode.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep,
1: he's... I'm like, you got there, huh? <laughs> so uh, I,
2: I think... I I mean,
1: think and with... the I episode is one of those where after that, you know what I said. After that episode, I What's said, that? "I said, well, you blew your whole expense budget for the rest of the series."
2: Yeah, apparently they didn't, but. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sure they
1: didn't. It I, just felt like they did.
2: I think that's the other thing with Andor that has been so surprising and has been so phenomenal. Just when you think Andor had reached a peaked peak, and it's like they can't top this, they can cont- it continued to top itself again and again and again right. and again this goes to credit to the writing team because they were writing these things in three basically three episode arcs with an maybe an what a standalone episode kind of in the middle that acted as true, a
1: transition.
2: True. and now, each arc just got better and better and better culminating david with a moment in the final episode that i have seen more than one person say might be one of the greatest single moments in Star Wars history.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh, now, before we get there, let's just point out a few things about any of the two episodes in general. Because, again, we can't talk these things in isolation. We kind of talk them as a block. You've been saying all along that's kind of the uniqueness of uh, Andor, period. But uh, I'm just going to say... With the first episode, uh, the daughters of Perix, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to point out one of two things. One, it's refreshing to have uh, Melshi and Endor have a better time on the beach.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. Right?
1: Because we know we know their next time on a beach doesn't end too well. Um, But and that's an understatement. But the second thing I'll point out is: is there a droid any more loyal than than B two emo? Sorry, R two.
2: Uh, maybe Chopper to Hera. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs>
1: close. Ch- Chopper, Chopper's loyalty though seems to come out of a a lazy dickish quality.
2: Yeah, but he's still incredibly loyal to Hera.
1: Well, that's true. I guess I have to see more of the Ahsoka show to be proven right on that one. Yeah. But Or to or to feel different on that one. You but know? the other
2: the other thing with this episode, that's what we were talking about on episode eleven here too, David, is the emotional hits it takes. Because not only not only are you dealing with Oh man. Andor, the emotional Andor, hits. Yeah. Uh, and or Andor having escaped and everything with him trying to get his freedom from that planet. Uh huh that's the start but then we get to what has happened to his family and his friends and we see just how much the Empire has destroyed Vix and what they have done to her and it is such an emotional gut punch and it makes you it makes the viewer want to hate the Empire that much more
1: yeah it does the empire did to her what uh, what Morbius couldn't do to her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make her look ugly. Then you have the which whole. By uh, the, which, by the way, it's Adrian Arjona. You'd have to do a lot of work to make that woman look ugly, just damn. that's Yeah. Definitely.
2: You also have the emotional situation with Mon, mm-hmm. where you're seeing her having to realize. She's gonna have to play a game she doesn't wanna play.
1: She's gonna sell her daughter for rebellion?
2: Not only that, but you know, she kind of sells out her husband. And uses him as a Well,
1: see, that's all right because Perrin's a dick. Well, but I understand that, but still that goes against things she believes. Right. No, no, I know. And you see that contrast very sharply in um in Mon and uh Vel, which I wasn't expecting Vel to be like what her cousin? Yeah. so I was not yeah. expecting that at all. That see this is this is what this this series is doing. It's literally making me look at um you know Caroline Blankenster or Blankenston. <laughs> she literally was a blankster. But it's making me look at characters like that and going, who knew?
2: All well, right, I mean, and there, but they're, but it's it's also the aspect of it's doing so much to give you a different view of the Star Wars universe, without Jedi, without lightsabers, without you're basically getting what the common person is going through. This series on its own has made the Empire, made the empire so evil without Palpatine, without Vader. Without oh, I Vader agree.
1: Starkin. I agree. And I'm just going to double down and say that I know they were, that George for years was talking about this kind of thing with like that Star Wars Underworld show he wanted to do, right? Yep. I will just say this. Look, would I have watched it? Of course. Would you have watched it? Of course. Would anyone else? Of course. That's not the issue here. What the issue is, is I think George wouldn't have gone the places this the Andor- show went if he did himself. Rogue One
2: and Andor would not exist if George Lucas was still in charge of
1: No, absolutely not. And if if everything was still hunky dory the way it was, you would not have shows like this. You right. would not have a show like this, or a movie like Rogue One, for that matter.
2: Yeah, so that that that's that's a whole other thing. Thing, but
1: you well, but at, it's in it's in relation.
2: Yeah, but you, you also know? look at Episode Eleven. You look at the impact of Cassian finding out about the death of his mother. Mm-hmm and you just see all the mechanisms that are working into place.
1: Yes, the uh, slum movie powder keg.
2: And the thing is is that the powder keg doesn't even fully get blown up in episode 12. It's lit, but it doesn't get fully exploded. You you look at No, no it doesn't. I mean, even in episode 11 with the stuff with Luthen and Saw and working Learning just like like I said, the rebellion in its own right is just as dirty as the empire.
1: Well, you kind of have to be when you're when you're right. uh, you know fighting a war.
2: But but, but, but the, the, the question that's that becomes... Kind of, thats kind
1: of—that's kind of and Kyle, I know we have varying opinions on this, but you know, follow me on this one. That's kind of the the um, uh, you know. If you look at the show in a microcosm to our own uh, world and political space, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I know people don't like that, but that is what Andor sort of forces you to do. No pun intended. But if you look at that, that, through that microcosmic lens, you'll realize that that whole, the rebellion just as dirty as the Empire, is exactly... Our our political system. The only difference is one side knows that and the other side doesn't.
2: Oh, I think both sides know, it, but that's all all of it.
1: I know, but uh, that's why I kind of wanted to uh, tread that that well, comment I, but because I, but it is there, and I, you'd be you fool to ignore it.
2: But I think both sides, even in Andor, both sides know it. They just. What you what you have is you have on one side one side that's fully one hundred percent invested in and they know they know it, right. and the other side and the other side you have the heart of it that knows what's going on and is trying to make the other people around it right. Uh, I was just aware of what that, it has to do.
1: Kyle, I was just getting that the casual viewer would be a freaking idiot not to see that. Yeah. In no, I get I get it, but we really see it we really
2: i mean we start to see that see it in 11 as things are working to coming right. to a head yeah, for definitely, the season one yeah. but when we get we get into episode 12 what we see is i mean one we i think i, I truly believe this too is that mm-hmm. episode 12 of andor is the best emotional performance from diego luna throughout the entire run you see how much he cares oh it things. is
1: and you see after- how much after the death of his mother, you start to see, like, we were wondering where uh, the end or we knew from what Rogue One is, because he wasn't there for the majority of the previous 11 oh, He episodes. hadn't
2: developed into that character. Yeah.
1: Well, but what I'm saying is, you know, yes, the fuse was lit, and uh, and it hasn't fully gone off yet. But with changing Cassian into the character we need him to be and knowing Rogue One, it's there.
2: Well, And and you see it. You see it when he gets back to the planet, the things he tries to do, rescuing his friends, rescuing Vix.
1: And that whole change is is often sparked by the death of one's mom.
2: Right. So you have that, and you see his emotions there and wanting to save the people he cares about. Yeah but you, but you also see where he realizes that he can't make that journey with him because he needs to take that other journey and that means going to Luthen who's ready to kill him to protect his own secrets but mm-hmm. he is Luthen has seized the change in him so much that he's intrigued by what Andor can become
1: Yeah yeah it's almost like if you go back to the episode where he was recruiting
2: mm-hmm. right
1: it's almost like the whole series is is a a a Lutheran rail test of andor's uh, mantle
2: well and i th- i think I think the other thing when you look at the Luthen and andor relationship is is this is that Andor started off as a pawn and a means to an end for Luthen, mm-hmm. and now Andor is something that he feels he can grow even more. And Andor has sold him on that. Yeah. So people are making their choices. This is like Mon made the choice to basically throw her husband under the bus, and we'll see how that plays out.
1: (laughs) Well, I I do like that a show, and look, I, I know people go into, oh, ignore, ignore, ignore with the sequel trilogy or sequel anything for that matter. But I do like that a show at least acknowledges Kento Bite.
2: Yeah, well, you've got that too, so... but Because I mean... it's like,
1: you're not going to ignore material already out. I'm like, that's a foolish notion.
2: Yeah, but I mean... I mean, mean that... even
1: down to the holiday special, look. It's like, okay, Pavro, you've got two pulls from the holiday special. If I see any more things from Life Day... Like if, um, like if Amy Sedaris or whatever her name is on uh, the, the, if, uh, like the little pilot gal thing, right? In mm-hmm. the hangar. Uh, I forget her name. It's, what's her name again? Uh, I
2: think it's Amy Sudeikis that you're
1: talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Amy Sedaris starts singing Life Day, I'm just like, I'm turning off Disney Plus and going to bed. Yeah. Well... But here, but here, but here's the other
2: thing too, is that, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about Mom, we've talked about Biggs, we've talked about Cassie, we talked about Luthen, And yet we still haven't even talked about, um, the Deidre Cyril situation where we have.
1: Oh, oh God. Okay. I'm just going to say this. When, uh, she came into the picture and was on, um, uh, on was back on Ferrix. Mm-hmm. I started to, and she was getting trampled. You know, as all the violence and chaos was going on. I'm thinking, did Star Wars just pull a George Romero? Nah, I'm not gonna say that. But
2: I think what I think they've done, and I think it it's... was
1: pretty freaking close. Cause that was straight, that was almost like straight George Romero how she was getting trampled.
2: Yeah, but 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 here but here's the thing, and this is what I think is very interesting with what the, this turn has taken, is that here you have Deidre who's been for the most part throughout the show pretty confident on her game, the plans working, even when it's had some level, bumps in it, she's handled it. But now here she is on the ground in the dirt literally, and things have just taken a crazy turn. And she's shaken, and she's not quite sure what to do. And yet, here comes Cyril to save her. And then she is in such a way that, even though as crazy in his own right as Cyril is, she's seeing him as a savior now.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree, which is just kind of weird. You know what else is weird? I don't know why, but when 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 I was watching that moment right uh i kept seeing i kept seeing edna mode in uh from incredibles in my head and that scene like yes kiss darling kiss well
2: yeah a lot of people go that i think what we're looking at with deidre and cyril is a little bit of stockholm syndrome almost
1: like uh like a joker and harley
2: sort of thing kind of like that where you have Cyril now who's shown up as like competent and stuff, and Deidre's had her or Deborah's had her confidence shaken. to and maybe Deidre's the very
1: basically moment. had her ego kicked in, let's yeah, be honest. And the
2: ego's kicked in, Deborah's had her just had her ego kicked in, she's had she's had her confidence shaken to the core. And here's Cyril standing as this thing rescuing her.
1: Right.
2: And even though she probably doesn't in truth think much of Cyril, he's what's there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so Hence, the Stockholm Syndrome kind of kicks in a little bit here. So, just a
1: smidge. Just a smidge. So you've
2: got that, and you have all these pieces. But what is so great about Andor is we know season two is coming. Mm-hmm. While Gilroy kind of gives us this sense of, okay, there's a little bit of finality to the season. We've got a whole lot more story to tell. But without... so. I, he, he, it's a phenomenal way to wrap up the season and feel like well, okay, we
1: essentially it, got twelve more, don't we?
2: Yeah, we have twelve more coming, but yeah. it, he did such a good job of wrapping up the season, feeling like we kind of clo- we really did close the chapter on everything that it was trying to tell tell in within this season. But we still have a whole other story to tell, and we know it's coming, and so we're fascinated and we're ready ready for that ride. And that that's such a credit to Gilroy and his writing room. And then you add into it, David, and I'm going to get to this now. Because I think, I I agree with what people are saying. This might be, easily for me, one of the top three moments within all of Star Wars. And that is, of course, in the square,
1: the speech. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: I mean, obviously, channeling back in the day, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. But in this case, just rallying the people.
1: Okay you, okay, two things I was thinking of right mm-hmm. uh, one was before the speech, and the other was the speech itself, okay, uh, the first I was thinking of when they were all marching during the funeral,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, I can't tell but hear the lay Miserables you know music in my head, okay, right. The, can you hear the people sing, you know, singing the songs of angry men, that kind of thing. Uh, so I couldn't help but hear that. And I'm a big fan of, of uh, not all musical adaptations, but that one in particular. Uh, so I'm a, I, am I, I was, that was a nice touch, nice touch. The second thing I was thinking, especially during the speech and everyone rallying around and looking up and whatnot, was this is the most adult toned episode of Rebels I've seen? Oh well, there's that too, but you know, because it, it, didn't didn't correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't it just feel like an adult tone of Rebels?
2: A, a little bit, but I think that was the intent of it. I mean, I was definitely pulling some vibes of back and Rebels when Ezra gave his speech about for his planet about standing up for the Empire. Yeah, but it was,
1: not, it was nothing it was nothing next to the gut punch well, of this.
2: Well, yeah, but this is a this is a totally different level. And that's because it's, it's also
1: a different show. Animated skews differently. Yeah, to, exactly.
2: This to is, this is
1: more, more And no, no just so people at home realize I'm not saying some dumb shit like, you know, former CEO Chepek who said crap like You know, animation's not for adults. No, screw that shit. That was just dumb, okay? What I'm saying is, the fact is, animation skews differently to kids than live action. Live action skews to adults, animation skews to children, unless you're Clone Wars, because let's be honest, a lot of stuff Clone Wars was doing, I'm like, when people say kids show, all I want to do is bop them over the head and be like, are you sure?
2: No, I, I I agree with what you're saying there, but I think also when you look at Andor, because of the way it's written, it's being more adult, and it's giving you a true speech of movement, and it, of course, yeah. you know, just the performance in itself in that speech mm-hmm. is so powerful. Oh, odd just." Yes. What that speech? Well, that's uh, also
1: indicative of Fiona Shaw. It's just that we're great for this show.
2: Yeah, Fiona is amazing, and but just you're there and you're in this moment, and it's it it, to me it sums up to what everything that makes Andor work. I mean, granted,
1: she did early on make some comments that I'm surprised in it, you know. Um, you know, didn't create an early nail in the coffin for the show because it almost lit the internet on fire.
2: Well, but still, to have that moment and have it be so powerful and see the reaction of the people and to see that spark of, I'm going to say it, that spark of rebellion start within this show. I and agree. And to see it not brought, brought forth by a Jedi or brought forth by... Cassian himself, but to see it brought forth by this woman who was universally loved within her own community, right, and just so well respected, to light that fire,
1: yeah,
2: and it's it's powerful, it's emotional, it's it grabs you with um all the memories you have of other moments within Star Wars, and then it just it Just is that it's 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 almost one of those perfect moments in Star Wars.
1: And oh, I agree. Uh, uh, Marva even cast the first stone, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> literally or a brick in this case. So you
2: add that in, and I have no problem saying this right now. If you're going to ask me where season one of Andor falls within my Star Wars love, it's probably at. It's in my top five. There's not even a question.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely in the top five.
2: I mean, right now for me, if you're gonna, if you're gonna ask me straight up honestly, empire it would go Empire, A New Hope, Rogue One, Or. For me, it would go, it would go
1: Empire, uh, andor, A New Hope. Which, again, because of my, um, you know, kind of, my uh, Andor could have made the original movie just that much more powerful, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, discussion, Uh, A New Hope kind of, or, yeah, uh, Andor kind of slightly edges out A New Hope, so it would go Empire, Andor, A New Hope, and... You know, as much as I chagrin that he ghost directed Return of Jedi, I'm gonna go Jedi as uh, the final one.
2: Yeah, for 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 me, I mean, A New Hope is always gonna be in the top two because that's just that's that's the first one and that's what I remember and that's. Well,
1: my... it's it's why we're essentially here, and, and yeah. <laughs> besides, you got a nice uh, dose of mileage on me, old boy. So.
2: So you got that Empire is just probably the closest thing to a perfect Star Wars film we've
1: had. Yeah. Um Rogue well, One I was I will say and I said this I said this as the sale was happening. Because if it wasn't for what Irvin Kirchner did, I don't think Disney or anybody would have had the gall to sniff around and go, I'm gonna buy this.
2: Yeah, well but
1: there's that too. What Irvin Kirschner did with Meyer Strikes back was absolutely brilliant.
2: So with, with Rogue One's coming come in at come in at three because you don't without Rogue One you don't have Andor. And I absolutely. think
1: absolutely
2: I think Rogue One too is what makes Rogue One work so well is you have the elements of Andor combined with the elements of a new hope or an empire coming together and it and it just works so well. And then Andor just because I, I think the only reason why Andor is probably a little bit lower and it's the one thing I will give people who watch Andor. People are so when you're a Star Wars fan, you're used to a certain level of pacing. Andor is so different that I think it's a, there is an adjustment aspect to Andor that you have to take in with it as well.
1: There and is, think, and I and I think that was indicative in the um, in the numbers game it was doing every week.
2: Yeah, yeah I agree, and I think I, I think this Andor is going to be one of those shows that's going to get better numbers as it goes along because of word of mouth. People not being able to binge it all.
1: No, I, like... could, I could give a shit less about numbers, but well, yeah. I know. But I'm just, I'm just, fact, I'm just. Fact is, just in general, I think the comment you made factored into why that was going on week by week.
2: Yeah. So I just, I think, I think when we're, when we're all said and done with Andor, it's a it's a game changer in Star Wars history. And I hope it, the door that it has opened is one that. People who will continue the work at Lucasfilm will keep open, along with the other doors that are there that are were already open, and realize, hey, we have this avenue as much as we have these other avenues. Well, and... I,
1: I hope I hope the same thing you do with that door, and I also hope that you know, if he sticks around, fine. Even though I I'd be the first to say, go get. I hope Favreau learns from this.
2: Well, I, I I, I, think, like I said, I think you've got, and there's nothing wrong with this, you've got different lanes of Star Wars now. And I no, think I,
1: I know, but I hope Favreau learns something from this. because, well, I... And the only reason I say that is putting it in the context of one simple fact. A lot of Mandalorian, so far, I mean, I may feel differently by the time we get to season three. A lot of Mandalorian feels stakesless.
2: Well, I think I think season three is gonna I, I have some hopes about some of the things that they were doing.
1: I, I seriously hope so. Because a lot of it just feels like where's the stakes here?
2: Well, yeah, but it's also a different I think part of that is is because two were in a different time frame after the fall of the Empire. So I think that makes things a little bit more
1: interesting. No, it it does, it does, but Again, that's why I think they brought in the Dark and brought in Bo Katan. Yeah, and yeah the, I,
2: I think I think you're going to start seeing those story plots develop into state, higher stakes. For Mando and
1: more. also, also I think that's why you have the Ahsoka show in play because, let's be honest, this time period in particular, this show, this Mando corner, needs Ahsoka.
2: Right, but I think I think when you're talking Andor too, here's the other other aspect of it is too is that you already had those stakes built in we knew what was going on so those there were instant stakes yeah in
1: no i agree i agree i i just wanted to sort of you know use it the you know contrast uh how i feel with this versus how i feel with mando where mando it's like okay where are your where are your stakes yeah you've, you've introduced this kind of I, I guess I'll put it in this kind of weird food course comparison. You've introduced all the entrees around it, right? But where's the middle of your dinner? Where's your big juicy steak to sink your teeth into? Right now, I don't I don't get any of that from Mando at all. Yeah. I get well, moment uh... I got moments, I get glimmers. You see what I mean? But I don't get the big it's like the old 90s ads of where's the beef?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that, that, again, I, I I, think that's, again, something for everybody else. It's different for everybody, and there's nothing wrong with it. So,
1: that. no, Internet, let me say, I don't hate Mando. It's like, get that out of your goddamn just, You just, just want
2: to see Mando take directions it hasn't taken. That's
1: just a stupid assumption. What I want is Mando to be the show I know it can be. Like, yeah. any Star Wars fan wants... Any Star Wars to be what they know it can be. So stop assuming things. You adorable summer children. Breathe, David. Breathe. Deep breath. Ah, woos-a, woos-a. Rex on, wax on. I feel
2: in out.
1: Uh yes, yes, yes. I I think I need therapy between this and our next spinoff, which I guess would be Bad Batch. Yep, um,
2: we got that trailer. Let's talk about that real quick. Sure.
0: Go, 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 go! We went over the plan five times. I got the package, didn't I? We need a pickup. Hang on. Grab the light. This is the top team.
1: The rogue clone's on the run from the Empire,
0: huh? Hello. How juicy. The Empire's growing stronger. We should be doing more. You want to really be free? Then pull off this heist, and you can have a future. Rumors are more and more clones have been questioning the order. Then they are traitors, like the Jedi.
1: You all gave up everything because of me.
0: We made the right choice, Omega. But there are others out there who need our help. What sort of treachery is this? Stay back! Empire seeks to establish peace and order throughout the galaxy. Peace? Peace was never an option. We're soldiers. We do what needs to be done. Move! You know what makes us different? We make our own choices. What do you need, Rex? Any chance I could use you for a mission?
2: What did you think of the Bad Batch trailer? Because I really actually liked what I saw in that more than I liked anything that I saw in season one.
1: I I liked it. I, I will say, first of all, I think we, let's just say this. I think we wrapped up our feelings on Andor, correct?
2: Yes, I I think we have. I think we everybody is in, most people are in agreement about the
1: excellence of the Andor. Okay, all right. So on to the Bad Batch trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just wanted to make sure we were done with Andor first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely.
2: But, no, I just think it's a good way to kind of preview what we've got coming up next. Since bad yeah, we know, yeah, Bat-
1: yeah, yeah, in yeah. January. I agree. Um, I think with the Bad bats trailer, it was first of all, I I liked it, and like I was saying really early on in the at the top end of the program. It, it felt like its own thing. It didn't. Yep. Season one felt two months like it was chasing the coattails of Clone Wars. Yeah,
2: no, I I will agree with that.
1: Okay, that... it it felt like it was tra- it was chasing the legacy of Felony, and you and I both know is barely on this at all,
2: yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, I mean it's
1: think... essentially other people, is it not? Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, Filoni's there, but not anywhere near the pre- presence. It's, well, it's actually a lot of the people from Resistance.
1: Hmm. Well, well as far that, as that is shocking considering Resistance was like eating a burnt steak.
2: Oh, I, th- I what I'm saying as far as the showrunners go,
1: but we'll see. No, no, I, and what I'm saying is it's funny because Resistance felt like you and I were both gagging on it when we were talking about it.
2: Yeah, but the, the the other aspects here that you're what you're talking about though, David, is it does feel like it's becoming its own thing. I also like the fact too that in this trailer, they're establishing what I think was should what should be and should have been from the start. The biggest story of Bad Batch is the fate of the true clone troopers.
1: Yes, I I agree with that, be, and I'm glad you brought that up because the the point I'll I'll counter that with is this feels like it has an opportunity to actually be about the clones and, and, and that pivot into, you know, from clones to stormtroopers. Because, you know, for all the, for all the Band of Brothers, you know, clone talk that George was doing with Clone Wars, and he was he he did equate it to basically ban the brothers, say not, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, but for all the stuff he was doing with that, I never really got that feeling from the Clone Wars, because they were they were basically the equivalent of armored Star Trek red shirts. Yeah,
2: basically,
1: basically. Yeah. and largely. Cl- I got more out of us out of Ahsoka's journey than I did any of the clones.
2: Yeah, I think I think Rex might be the one that would stand out there.
1: Yeah, Rex is like the one exception to that, but that also felt like uh, you know you're you're only highlighting Rex because you could use him in other mediums later, like we're seeing here with Bad Batch. Or you know, I think he's gonna be in the Estelka show to be honest. Yeah.
2: Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you what, there was one other thing as far as the Bad Bad trailer to me that got me really excited, David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Commander Cody.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I I Commander I, Cody interacting with a crosshair, or as I like to call the James Woods of clones.
2: Yeah. No, um, I'm, I'm very excited for that. I'm a fan of Commander Cody. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him back and seeing what the, how they're gonna do what they're gonna do with that. But I, I Bad Batch season one wasn't bad. Yeah, but
1: I I, I, a... I wouldn't have minded had they put Commander Cody in the Obi Wan. That feels like a missed opportunity.
2: Yeah, well, they, they could, if they ever do a season two, it's a possibility.
1: But right, it is now. But yeah, it, it just feels like a missed opportunity. And I'm not really holding out for season two because I think it 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 is one and done. I yeah, mean, that's it, kind of
2: my feeling right it now. It
1: should have been a movie and deserved a movie. Um, but you know, you and I talked about that when we were covering Kenobi. Um, yeah, that way back.
2: Yeah, but no, I mean, I'm excited. I'm more excited for Bad Batch season two after seeing this trailer. I'm not like going to be jumping. I'm not he's like, Oh my God, it's Andor season two or something like that. But no,
1: I think no, it's still, I'm not either.
2: I'm more, I'm still more excited for Mandalorian season three, but I think bad batch season two is going to be solid. It's going to be fun. And I think it's going to give the animation side of star Wars to people who love the full universe and the fullony side of animation, so, something to be very happy with. And I'm all for that. And I'm, I'm all for to see what they can add to the canon of, of the continuing star Wars universe with uh bad batch. And I think it will be fun. And because, And then we know what's coming after that, because when Bad Batch wraps up, we'll be diving into Mando Season 3.
1: Well, it'll it'll overlap for a few weeks, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, And then, you know, things will get real interesting after
1: that. Because isn't it going January 4th to, like, March 29th?
2: Uh, something along those lines. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of overlap.
1: Um, I'll I'll send you that schedule. But it looks like what they're doing is like with the the premiere, the mid season, yeah. and then the final. They're doubling those up, and then yeah. everything else is like single episodes.
2: Yeah. Well, we we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see what kind of schedule Disney works out, but. Yep. It, it, it's an exciting it's, it's it's an interesting time I think the next several months are going to be very interesting to see what the future of Star Wars is going to be in the directions it's going to take as far as movies and as far as um, new people in charge and directions that Lucasfilms are going to take and decisions that are going to be made I'm
1: going to say old people in charge because I'm sorry until we get a new new CEO this is this is oh. basically Disney just running home the lick its wounds
2: uh, well, well, like I said, we'll see. I think I think I think 2023 is going to turn out to be a major pivot year for Star
1: Wars. Well, it's going to be a major pivot year for Disney if some of this uh, rumblings is true.
2: Oh, that's true, but that's that's for another time when when we start having a little bit more meat to that bone that we can actually
1: confirm things. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you'll keep me posted. I hopped off Twitter, but you know, you you just send me whatever you find.
2: Yeah, there you go. So But with that, we are wrapping up this amazing first season of Andor. It's been a fun ride, Mr. Sundin.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, Gain. And, Gain, um, you know, first of all, you know, happy holidays. Happy New Year, you know, 2023. Not, you know, not 2022 part two or part three whatever. 2023, let's go forward. Let's not joke about being held back anymore. Let's go forward as a people, as one. Let's do that, okay? Let's be like, let's be like a Ferrex crowd, but be nice and polite and move forward and not mean and nasty, because ha- haven't we had enough of that shit?
2: Yeah, I'm just going. Since we opened the show with Transformers, I'm just going to close out with my final statement: then, till all are
1: one. Ah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Uh all right. All right. But no our next uh, sp- uh spin-off series will be uh a re- sort of a return to our back to the clones uh uh sister cast limited series, now a continuing series uh slightly renamed from our um you know, the good, the bad, a podcaster's batch. And the new name is now, Kyle, you ready for this? As ready as I'll ever be. Clones versus Trooper, Dawn of the Empire.
2: Mm-hmm. Very fitting, very
1: fitting. <laughs> or Empire Dawns or something like that, I don't know. Uh, I, I forget, I, I'm it, Oh, no, it was, yeah, definitely... Clones versus Trooper, Empire Dawns. There you go. So yeah. that will be our next show, and uh, we will, uh, you know, uh, get going with that in uh, in early 2023 in January. And as far as Mando goes, Kyle, I'm going to leave that up to you because based on your February, we'll either go with Mando or just move it into summer.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get that figured out when the time is right because, you know, I am not going to try to predict what the evil empire has in store for me come
1: on. No, but Kyle, I am leaving scheduling that one entirely in your hands, my friend. If we have to move it, we move it. All right?
2: Either that or we double, we double up on, it, on, it, on that. But we'll get that figured out when the time comes.
1: Yeah, we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. But it is entirely in your hands, my boy.
2: Well, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no worries, no worries. So, again, for our left... Oh! We forgot one Andor thing. What, what's that? The post-credits scene. Oh, yes,
2: where we find out what the Empire does with those giant fidget spinners.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, I'm just going to bring one thing up. Okay. okay. Just this one thing. Does this break a canon thing that the books were doing? Because... We understood it for a long time that it was Wookiee slave labor working on on the the Death Star. Too big,
2: built too fast. It was a lot more than Wookie slave labor. And now we know where. Now we know what they did. What the Empire prison camps were about.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. And I guess if it was. Wookiees in that prison, they would need Gungans to swim out of there. I can't swim. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, give
2: that man an Emmy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, get, give Andy Serkis an Emmy, come on. I'm getting tired of looking at him through digital makeup, even though he's very good at it. You know? Mm-hmm. Alright, so that'll do it for this episode. Um and yeah, we will um you know see you for Bad Batch in in twenty twenty-three. So one last time for me and for Kyle. Uh, we'll just say in a very uh more gratis way. I say we fight
0: Thanks for listening to Fulcrum, a case for rebellion, a Fandom Awakens radio spin off podcast covering Star Wars andor, streaming exclusively on Disney. Lucasfilm and all things Star Wars are subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. To steal from the Empire? To just walk in like you belong? so proud of themselves so fat and satisfied they can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house Cassianander the Empire is choking us so slowly we're starting not to notice what I'm asking is this wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? All the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it... War. There's fermenting out there, son. Pockets are fermenting. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. (laughs) I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. Fandom Awakens Radio is meant for informational purposes only, and infringement is not intended.